the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is the Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls, answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything on your heart you need only to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. If you have noticed, that's the name of the station, 630-KSLR uh, on the AM dial. That's numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use uh, our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app and send them that way. And as always, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Um, quick reminder, yesterday was our kickoff for Sweet Summer Devotion Series for the ladies. And uh, I've had a lot of feedback from uh, Paula's message last night. Uh, one of my friends from the church called and said, I've listened to it. And this is a man. I've listened to it four times today. And uh, uh, it is on live at calvarysa.com. Uh, scroll down when you get to the main website uh, and go to recent studies, and then you can follow it. It's pretty easy from there. Well, there's nothing else going on on this Tuesday, so let me get right to some questions that have been sent in. Here is a question from our mobile app from Anonymous. Uh, Pastor Ron, last week a gentleman called the show, and besides being totally off about Rick Warren, he made a comment about an Alexandrian cult and that you were not even aware that you were in it. What is the Alexandrian cult, and what did he mean uh, you were not aware? Um, I don't know what the Alexandrian cult is. This was a King James-only guy. Uh, he's called the program before, and he is um, uh, he's not well. Uh, I, that's all I can say. He's, he's uh, um, always uh, sinning, pointing fingers at people, uh, making false accusations. And honestly, Anonymous, uh, I don't want to give any credit, uh, credibility at all to, um, to anything that he said at all. He's just one of those guys uh, that needs to get saved. He needs to, to find Jesus, and we can pray for him. I'm not angry with him. Um, it's just it's just really, really sad that people are like that. But I remember the call. Uh, we try to cut those calls off as quickly as we can. And, you know, we don't really cut anybody off. So uh, it's just the guys that have their own agenda. And I keep telling them, you know, get your own radio show if you want to do nutty stuff. Uh, but, of course, nobody does that. So they try to take advantage of ours. But... Um, um, an Alexandrian cult. Uh, I, I don't think anonymous that it bears um, any follow-up on. I, I just don't think there's any reason at all to mention anything about it. Here's a question from Kirby from our email inbox. 
Good afternoon, Pastor Ron. With the economy headed into a recession and inflation making life difficult, how are you encouraging your church to deal with it? Um, you know, Kirby, I, I'm, I'm really not encouraging them to deal with it at all. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's what we all have to deal with. Um, anybody who had the ability to think logically knew this was coming um, with the results of the last election. Um, and the reality is um, it's just going to be hard for a little while. Uh, it has not affected our giving here at the church. Now, remember, Kirby, we don't ask anybody um, to give. We don't We don't uh, uh, make a big deal about it. Uh, we don't let our needs be known. So we're not telling people, you know, in this time when it's hard, you got to dig deeper. Uh, we realize that people are having a hard time filling their gas tanks. I think I mentioned this on the program yesterday, but I was listening to somebody who said, you know, his wife went to fill up her car with gas and it was $104. Now, if you lived in California, that would be double that. That would be $200. So um, all I know, and, and I don't really deal with money at all. God bless Paula. She takes care of all that for me. But, um, you know, I know restaurants are getting more expensive. Um, well, I haven't been in a grocery store. I can't remember the last time uh, Paula and others tell me that everything is way more expensive. This just can be one of those things where Christians are going to have to trust the Lord. So I don't think we need to do anything different. I certainly don't think it should affect people's giving. Uh, the Lord knew this was coming. And uh, we are still to give the first fruits of our income, and we're to do it with a joyful heart. So, Kirby, I really don't have any kind of of counsel uh, like that for people in the church. Um, I'm, I'm simply not uh, concerned uh, about uh, what they're going to do. People um, are faithful. They're going to do what God wants them to do. And I don't think they need my opinion on these things other than to say uh, very simply that um, it's going to be hard. We need to know that it's going to be difficult and do, do the best that we can. You know, one of the advantages of, of doing everything here uh, at our church, and I'm just talking about Calvary Chapel of San Antonio now, we do everything for free. So we're not raising our our um, admission to our free academy, you know, free is free. It's free when things are going well and free when things aren't going well. Um, so it just doesn't really affect us at all. And we've never depended on a good economy. We've always just knew that the Lord was going to care for us. And he does. And I hope that um, the Christians listening in, in this audience, and we do have some unbelievers listening, but I hope that the Christians in, the, in this audience just understand that God is always faithful no matter what is going on. So we keep doing what he's asked us to do. Let's take our first phone call today. we got Jimmy on line one from San Antonio. Jimmy, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hi, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Jimmy. Thank you. Okay. Um, I was going to tell you, um, well, we finished the book of Revelation about three weeks back. I still need to study some more because I don't understand everything, but I do understand more than I did. But I was going to ask you, when somebody says, I rebuke it, I, I bind it, uh, I, I did this, and I did this, and um, what are they trying to say? I mean, the way I see it is, is oh, you did it? Oh, no. God led you to do it, not the, the Holy Spirit led you to do it, not not you. You say, oh, I led many to, to, I led many souls to salvation. Oh, you did? No. The Holy Spirit used you to lead them to salvation. I mean, that's yeah. my point. Yeah, Jimmy, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. Let me, let me say this. I, I think when you find people taking credit for things they're doing, that's one of the for sure signs that they're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, when, when God uses you to do something, you're so amazed that, that he would use you and you're so humbled that he would use you, that you would never take credit. You know, we, we never are to touch God's glory and anything and everything that, that God does through us is a gift from him. And, and I feel sometimes like Paul, uh, you know, um, uh, he says, I'll go in boasting. And then he says, parenthetically, he says, I'm a fool. I must be out of my mind. Um, but he's boasting in what God is doing. 
the Corinthians were, 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 were asking him to justify his apostleship and the decisions he made. And, and he said, you know, I'm a fool for doing this. And I think any of us, when we truly have been used by the Lord uh, to lead somebody to Christ or, or uh, uh, in, in any situation, in any circumstance, I think we're so humbled and we're so aware that there was nothing in and of ourselves that that had any value. There was no power. It was the power of God flowing through us. And uh, I just think instinctively a real believer knows that there's no possibility of taking credit for something like that. I get asked sometimes questions like, well, how do you stay humble? Or what do you say when people are complimenting you? Uh, you know, uh, it's real simple for me. Uh, when somebody will come up and say, boy, Pastor Ron, that was a great message. I always respond the same way. I say, well, you know, that says a lot more about your heart than my message. I want them to know I take no credit at all for it if it was good. And I don't take any blame for it if it was bad. Sometimes I do because I know I didn't do well. But but for the most part, Jimmy, it's just uh, it's a lack of humility. I think it's a lack of biblical awareness. In response to your first question about binding and and um, uh, you know this this whole idea of taking authority over demons and like bossing them around, that's just charismatic nonsense. There is nothing to that at all. And you know, I have people say, "Well, plead the blood or or just bind them in Jesus' name." That that is no value at all if you're not walking with Jesus. And by walking with Jesus, I mean walking obediently and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we start binding and loosing things, when we try to take authority of the devil, I think he laughs. I always think of the, the, the book of Acts where the seven sons of Siva uh, were, were, were trying to make money off casting out demons. And uh, they, they said, I adjure you in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. And, and, and the demons looked at him and laughed and said, well, well, we know Jesus and we know Paul, but who are you? And then the next thing that happened was they came out of the person and beat him silly and they left him running away naked and bleeding. So I, I think that's really what we've got going on here. It's, it's cartoonish. Uh, and um, um, childish, but um, we have no authority except that which is given to us. And when we're being obedient, God will give us authority, but it's not because of who we are or anything we've done. It's simply because we are in the presence of the Lord. And Jimmy, you've been to our church before, so you have heard me say uh, repeatedly, just be with Jesus. That's where the power is. And for anybody to take credit for anything good that happened uh, is um, an affront to to God and I think reveals sort of the true nature of our heart. Jimmy, thank you. By the way, Jimmy, write this down. Uh, I'm going to give you a, a, a book that will help you with Revelation. Uh, it's by an author named John Walvoord. W-A-L-V-O-O-R-D. It's not expensive. You can get it through Amazon. And it's a commentary on Revelation. Uh, And there's another one uh, that he wrote uh, whose name escapes me for the moment. I'll think of it if you stay listening to the program. Uh, But but it's even more well-known, and it's about the rapture of the church. So, Jimmy, hope that helps. Really, really thrilled that you're you're, uh, in the Word of God. Okay, I've got two questions here. I've got nobody waiting on the phone. These they're they're kind of similar and they're they're uh, kind of personal. So the first one is from Seth, and Seth says, "Do you ever get any negative feedback because your teaching is so direct?" And the next one is anonymous, and it says, "You made some very harsh remarks about gay and trans people in your message yesterday, and and this they mean Sunday. Uh, aren't you afraid of pushback?" So let me address both those questions. Seth, I get a lot of negative feedback um, because I'm direct. I mean, whenever you tell somebody to do something that they don't want to do, uh, they're not going to blame God. They're going to blame you. Well, that's what Pastor Ron's opinion is. And, and of course, when I, I, I the message I did just this past Sunday uh, was about um, marriage and divorce. And uh, when I said God hates divorce, there's no reason for divorce except hard hearts, there are going to be people for sure who resent that because they think that, that, no, you don't understand my situation. And 
And I get that. So, yeah, I get negative feedback all the time. Um, Seth, when I'm doing uh, invitations, I can look out and see. Now, I can't see details, so I don't know who any of these people are. But I can see people just squirming in their chairs, some with their arms folded, just waiting to get out of here. So I, I get that kind of feedback all the time. And you know what? That's okay. Jesus got that kind of feedback. Paul and the other apostles got that kind of feedback. So the idea here is when we're sharing the word of God, uh, I think uh, like God told Samuel, don't take it personal. It's not you they're rejecting. It's me they're rejecting. And I think uh, it's incumbent upon us to remember that we're rejecting him um, or the people are rejecting him and it is not personal at all. And we shouldn't be surprised by it. The other question is a little frustrating for me, Anonymous. You said, I made some very harsh remarks about gay and trans people uh, in the message. Uh, I didn't make a single harsh remark about gay or trans people. I did not make a single harsh remark. I I, I can stand uh, with clear conscience and say not only did I not make a, 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 a harsh remark then about them, uh, I have never uh, made a harsh mark, uh, remark about them. Uh, God loves them. He died for their sins, and he wants them to come to heaven. And one of my jobs is to declare that love of God for people who are gay and or trans. And that's what we did. Let me give everybody a little bit of background. We were talking about marriage, and and um, um, Jesus said, and this is in red letters in your Bible, Jesus said it. Uh, he said, God made them, in the beginning, God made them male and female. And I said... That's, those are the only two genders. I said, well, the world has more than a hundred recognized genders now, which is nonsense. I said, it's easy to be Christian because all we got to do is count to two, male and female. He didn't make them cisgender. He didn't make them non-binary. He didn't make them uh, gender queer. He didn't make them, and you can fill in your blank with whatever your your uh, your, your your preferred terms are. And, and, and God wouldn't allow Christians, wouldn't want Christians to be changing our language to accommodate preferred pronouns either. And I even said, I will call anybody by the name they want to be called. If somebody tells me, if a, a boy tells me his name is is uh, uh, Joyce, uh, I'll call that boy Joyce, but it's a him. I won't lie and refer to him as a girl because he is biologically, um, his, his gender is male, and um, um, nothing will ever change that. The way he identifies doesn't change who he is. And I think if we love people, we have to be direct and tell them the truth. And then what I said, Anonymous, was that as Christians, it's our responsibility. And I did this in the context of our last two Bible studies. Jesus said that we're going to be salt. And if salt loses its saltiness, it has no value. And a lot of Christians are losing their saltiness through compromise in this world by just blindly accepting the, the, the brainwashing propaganda uh, from the world that we live in. And we've got to be people who will stand up because we love them. We've got to be people who will stand up and say, uh, it doesn't matter what you feel or what you think, what matters is who you are. If you are a biological male, you are a boy. If you're a biological female, you are a girl, period. Now, there's nothing harsh about that at all, nor was there anything unloving. Then I said, because he said uh, uh, of these male and female, uh, he created them uh, so that the two would be one flesh. And I said, please notice that God who created the institution of marriage, that means it's his to own, it's his to make the rules. He said that marriage is between a man and a woman. And because this is great Gay Pride Month and we're being uh, inundated, overwhelmed with commercials from everything, um, um, I said that, that uh, you know, our nation in 2015 um, gave its blessings to uh, a marriage uh, between same-gender people. And in the process, they have devastated the institution of marriage. 
I said, we who are heterosexual Christians, we've helped because we divorce and we don't keep our promises. But marriage from God's perspective, and it's the only one that should matter to a Christian. There simply can't be, and I know there are in this audience, but there simply cannot be a genuinely born-again man or woman who is even mildly sympathetic to this issue of gay marriage. It just cannot be possible. We can't disagree with our Christ and call ourselves a Christian. So uh, I take a, a little bit of offense to that, Anonymous, because I said nothing harsh at all. I was direct, as I always try to be, uh, relative to aren't you afraid of pushback? I am far more afraid of uh, the pushback I would get from the Lord who has entrusted his gospel with me. It's his gospel. It's not mine. I don't get to change it. I don't get to soften it. Uh, I don't get to to, to uh, modify it or interpret it. My job is to declare it, and that's what we do um, year after year after year. We open the Bible. So if somebody thinks that uh, I'm all wet, their they're problem, I want to be able to say, well, your problems are not with me because all I did was report to you what the Word of God says. And usually when I do that, they'll come up, well, well, that's just your opinion. No, I didn't give you an opinion. I just read it and stated it. And nobody has ever been able to say, well, well, um, um, this is where you were, you went up beyond the word of God. Because I never have. And I won't. So uh, pushback is just part of what we who are pastors do. And uh, anonymous, it is our responsibility to declare the word of God, to declare the truth according to the word of God, and then let the Holy Spirit do his job. And pastors who are unwilling to do that, uh, pastors who are compromising um, to be popular in this world, they are going to have an enormous price to pay on that day when the church is called to be with Jesus. So I hope that makes sense. I hope you understand uh, but but there was not a harsh word uh, in that message. Let me also say one more thing. I've never, in 27 years, I've never even raised my voice in the pulpit. So uh, it's just impossible that I said anything harsh uh, or that I said anything unloving. Uh, I simply told the truth in love. Reggie says, how can I understand the difference between conviction and condemnation? Reggie, this is a good question. It's an easy answer. Um, uh, Conviction is from the Holy Spirit, and conviction drives you closer to Jesus. Condemnation is from the devil and drives you farther from Jesus. So here's how you know. If you're feeling condemned, we know Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you're feeling condemned, and, and, and along with those feelings of condemnation, you're thinking, well, well, I don't feel like going to church. I don't think I can read the Bible because I'm not worthy or, or I've done such terrible things. God can't hear my prayers. That's condemnation and it's coming from the enemy. If it's the Holy Spirit, he's knocking on the door of your heart and he's saying, no, 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 repent and run to God. And when you run to him, then uh, what you're going to find is forgiveness, and you're going to find new grace. You're going to find fresh power of the Holy Spirit. So, Reggie, that's the difference between them, and understanding that difference will save you so much pain. Um, uh, just, just every time you're feeling condemned, I'm a worm, I'm terrible, that's all, always the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. Jesus' thoughts were told by David, are precious. Not only are they precious, but he says how vast is the sum of them. Now, God will correct us. That's one of the things that we we can be really grateful for. But with correction that comes from heaven, there is never any condemnation at all. So, Reggie, I hope that uh, makes sense to you uh, because this is a time for freedom. We have been justified freely by the work, the finished work Jesus committed on the cross. Um, Here's what I can do quickly. Alfred says, I'm getting tired of all the pastors on radio and TV asking for money. What are your thoughts? Alfred, I'm with you. Um, 
Paula and I, when we're in the radio and listening to people, when, when the commercials, you know, right now commercials are coming on uh, like 10 minutes into the into the uh, the message and then 10 more minutes into the message. So they have three commercials, uh, not not counting the intro and the outro. And and, and it, we just turn the sound down. Um, I, I'm getting tired of it as well. Uh, it's not going to stop. Unfortunately, it's not going to stop. And it's a reflection on the lack of faith that those pastors have. Uh, and Alfred, I don't know whether you know or not, we've never asked for a penny. We've never had a commercial on any of our radio programs, including this one or the the, the teaching programs that we have. We devote uh, 26 and a half minutes to teaching the Bible verse by verse. Uh, the rest is intro and outro uh, with just a little bit of information, but never a word about money at all. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. I tell you, Alfred, you and I can join uh, together in prayer that God's Spirit would move on people and they would stop making ministry, so-called ministry, about money at all. So thank you, Alfred. I appreciate it. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in the Tuesday show. The phones have been quiet except for Jimmy calling. We'd love your calls, 340-9585 or toll-free, 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand on for life. I'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program. We've got 30 minutes for your questions. 340-9585 for your live calls. Here is a question from Fred. He says, I listened to a message you did recently where you seem to be saying that parents should not allow their kids to have cell phones. <laughs> did I understand you correctly? Uh, yeah, Fred, you, you, you pretty much did. Um, now, let me, let me qualify a little bit. Um, the idea that having a cell phone is a right for teenage kids, it just baffles me. It really does. What I was saying is that parents who are allowing their children to have cell phones are giving them a computer, giving them access to information that the devil will use to destroy them and that this world is going to use to try to brainwash them. And that's exactly what's happening. All of the studies that that have come out about uh, how addicting they are. I, I mean, we're worried about kids smoking because nicotine is addicting. Uh, but 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 it's nothing compared to cell phones, and you've you've got an, an entire generation of kids that that can't even look up when they're walking. They they don't know how to communicate with people face to face, and and when you combine that with all of the harmful material out there, it's parents who are enabling this, Fred. And so um, yeah, I don't think parents should allow their kids to have cell phones until. Those children have demonstrated that they're trustworthy, that they can be trusted with those cell phones, and only then with as much supervision as is humanly possible. Now, here's one of the problems, Fred. Um, We can get trackers, we can get all kinds of things, uh, but every kid in high school knows how to disable all that stuff. And they know the secret websites to go to and the secret apps to to load. Uh, I'm using bad uh, terminology because I'm not um, a techie guy. But they know how to disable all that stuff. They know how to get around it. And the parents don't know what they know. And we're giving our children the means to destroy themselves. Pornography, Fred, is now reaching children at eight years of age. Sometimes it happens inadvertently. But once it happens once, then the kids are going to start looking for it. That's what kids do. It's curiosity. And and parents simply are allowing their children to destroy themselves. And, and you take it one step further. Too many kids, say, as soon as they get home, 
Um, they take their cell phones into their room. They shut the door, refuse to let the parents come in, and and they're they're left with um, the ability, uh, the the ability of the internet to to destroy them. And we don't say anything. Why is it? And when was it that we decided to be a good parent? You had to give your kid a cell phone. So that's the question. If if I had a child, and I know a lot of kids here at the church, that that I would trust my life with. And and they would be good stewards. It's like giving them keys to a car. Uh, and you, you wouldn't give them keys to the car until you, you trusted them, until they'd proven their trustworthiness. A cell phone should be exactly the same. And yet we've got 10-year-olds on top of their Christmas list every year or their birthday list every year is a cell phone. So why would we do that? I just don't understand it, Fred. Parents have stopped being parents. They want to be cool friends. Uh, they want to be the, the, the cool parent that all their kids can brag about. Cell phones are killing these kids. They're on websites. I'll give you an example. Tumblr. They're on websites. Whenever I get a kid, let me, let me start over. Whenever I get a kid who's been exposed to pornography, um, and he's getting ideas about things. I, I, my, when I get the chance to talk to him, okay, w- 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 what websites are you on? What apps are you listening to? And Tumblr is an example of these kids who are struggling with gender identity and gender confusion, and they're confused because the world's confused them. They're not confused. They're confused because the world has confused them because they can get attention, and rebelling is is a way to get attention. And there are websites which put so much pressure on them to go ahead and begin the transition process and teaches them how to do it without their parents' knowledge or consent. And there are other kids. The peer pressure, the bullying that goes on on Tumblr is is incessant. And so, yeah, Fred, I, I said um, that parents should not allow their kids to have cell phones. It's not a right uh, and, and their kids have to prove that they're trustworthy before we give them that kind of information or access to information. So kids may not be thr- thrilled with me, but um, I know Jesus is pretty pleased in that sense. Here's an anonymous question. It says, I know gossip is wrong, but what about talking about people from genuine concern? Is that wrong? Anonymous, you know, I think we all know what gossip is, and I think we know when we've entered into it. So I'm not sure the question is, is uh, that, that I understand the question as being genuine. Uh, we know when we're speaking ill of somebody. And if you have a genuine concern, and you don't first take that genuine concern to the person that you want to talk about, then it isn't a godly concern at all. Um, gossip is wrong. Gossip is saying anything bad about somebody, even if it's true, if your intent is to harm them. Uh, we can destroy reputations. We can start rumors. And, and all we can do, we Christians especially, we can spiritualize it. Well, you know, bro, I want to pray for you. No, it's not that at all. Just don't talk badly about people. How could you ever explain to Jesus that you spoke ill about somebody uh, who'd never done anything to you, but just because you heard others speaking ill about them. How would you explain that to Jesus when he would look at you and say, I love you, and I love him, or I love her? If he asked you, why would you say something? And remember, he knows what's in a man's heart. How could you explain to him that, well, I just really wanted to know if this was true. I really wanted to, somebody else to know it was true. I don't know what it is about information, especially gossip. The minute it hits our ears, man, we we got to get it out. And we want other people to know there's just something uh, about providing information that other people don't know that makes us feel important. You know, there are always people who are, 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 are alarmists, I call them. And they've got to be the first to tell people about whatever's happening. This is happening or this could happen. But when you're talking about people, you're talking about the people Jesus loves. So the rule, Anonymous, is simple. Don't say anything bad about somebody 
unless and until you've said it first to them. Don't say anything that you wouldn't say if they were there in the conversation. And you can go to people and you can say, you know, I just want you to know I heard this about you and I thought I'd come right to you and and let you know that's what somebody said. And um, I'm not going to repeat it, but you can deal with it however you want. And then you could say this as a Christian. You could say, look, if it's true, I'll help you. I'll be praying for you, but if it's true, I'll help you get help. So there's just no need to gossip. I think listening to gossip is just as sinful as being the gossiper. And I think that's something that we really, really need to let soak into our heart. In this day and age, I mean, we can go on on so-called Christian websites and, and, and there's nothing but ugly stuff about people and you know they can say well we're just taking the righteous road and we're we're just exposing the wrongdoing by people in authority that's not a gift that God gives that's that's a work of the flesh period so I hope that makes sense to you Tammy says Pastor Ron does God still speak audibly to people like he did in the Bible Tammy no he doesn't now I want to I want to make a, a distinction here Uh, Because there are some things that God will say to me so clearly that it is as though he was speaking audibly to me. Um, uh, Tomorrow's Bible study in in, uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, um, God is going to speak to Elijah in a a still small voice and Elijah is going to cower at the presence of God. If God spoke audibly, if we heard audibly, Audible voices. Now, again, I want to make the distinction that God can speak things so clearly that it is as though he was speaking audibly, but you're not hearing a voice. If we heard the voice of God, um, we would we would crumble under the weight of it. We'd crumble under the glory of it. So, no, God does not speak audibly. Uh, he spoke to them in the form of the angel of the Lord, which, of course, is the Old Testament Christophany or Theophany. That's Jesus. Um, and he spoke to him because because Jesus became a man. Uh, Isaiah, uh, we're told in John chapter twelve, um, Isaiah saw Jesus. Um, so so through Jesus we can we can hear from the Lord, but also God gave us His word, and because He gave us His word, He doesn't need to speak to people audibly. The Spirit living in us will interpret the word of God so that God is speaking to us, and Tammy. Um, 98% of the time that God is speaking to us, he's doing it through his word. There are some times when God will speak some things. I always use my own example, Tammy. Uh, there's probably, and I'm going to just throw out a number that I don't know how accurate it is, but but I'm going to guess now in my 31 years, maybe 50 times, uh, God has spoken to me so clearly, but not from his word directly. Now, it never contradicted his word. If you think you hear something that contradicts the word, you didn't hear from the Lord. But uh, he said something to my heart. Uh, Coming to San Antonio was one of them. Um, uh, Starting a free school was one of them. Um, um, Some some things Paul and I uh, have done. uh, God was leading those things. And we just knew. We just knew. Um, but, But if you want clarity... First um, John four one says test the spirits because not every spirit is from God, and we've got to test every spirit against the authority and the consistency of the Bible itself. So no, God does not still speak audibly. I realize there are people, especially in the the charismatic fringe, there are people who say God speaks to them, God visits them, but all that is just nonsense. And, and you can look at their lives and see that they're not living in such a way that God could speak to them uh, other than perhaps telling them to repent of their sins. So, Tammy, I hope that makes sense to you. Uh, but he does not speak audibly. Um, he will speak loudly sometimes, but not audibly. You won't hear a voice like they did in scriptures. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions. You can call toll free if you're outside the local San Antonio area at eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. Jason asks a tough question. 
Can you please explain how we can love our enemies? I really struggle with this, and I'm confused. Um, Jason, we, we, can, we can love our enemies because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That's Romans 5.5. 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts. Now, here's the thing. My flesh can never love an enemy. My flesh has a hard time loving even the people that love me and the people that I love. I mean, sometimes if we get irritated or something. So so the idea is we've got to have enough faith to make a withdrawal. Think of your the, the Spirit of God being poured out in your heart like a deposit you made in a bank. If you go put $200 in the bank, that means you can go to the banking machine and putting in a code, you can, you can withdraw $200. Well, God has poured out an infinite supply of love. So if you can say to somebody who's really bugging you, you can say, but Lord, you love them, and I want to love them for you. And honestly, Jesus, I don't. So Lord, I'm going to ask by faith for the love that you've put into my heart, and let that love from me be a blessing to them. And God will do that. I think the problem you're having, uh, Jason, is that you're trying to love them in your own strength. Okay, I'm going to love them. Okay, I'm going to love them. You can't love them. You have to get comfortable with the idea that in your flesh you can't do anything good. So you got to love them. And you do that because his love is in you. And he doesn't want us to love anybody with our crummy love. It's inadequate. It's incomplete. It's selfish. But he wants us to love them with the love he's enabled us to love them with. Not by might nor by power, but by your spirit. That's what I always say, Lord, I can't do this, but you can So that, Jason, is the only way that we can love our enemies. And it's something that we really need to take to heart and we need to practice. I can tell you, Jason, it is a wonderful way to live when you can look at your life and say, there's nobody in this world that I'm holding unforgiveness toward. Now, there are people that drive you crazy. I get it. There are people that you really don't want to spend time with. I get that. But God says, I don't ask you to spend time with them. I ask you to love them. And when you get the opportunity, uh, I know, Jason, you want to be the man that God can use to bring even one of your enemies to faith in Christ. You and I, we were enemies of God until we accepted Jesus Christ. And he continued to pour out his love to us. Good question. Here's a question from Elizabeth. And she says, does Jeremiah 31... Verses 35 through 37 mean that Israel will one day cease to exist. Uh, I can tell you, Elizabeth, no, but let me read the passage first for the audience. Uh, This is Jeremiah, beginning in verse 35. He says, This is what the Lord says. He will appoint the sun to shine by day, who decrees the moon and the stars to shine by night, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. Only if these decrees vanish from my sight, declares the Lord, will the descendants of Israel ever cease to be a nation before me. This is what the Lord says. Only if the heavens above can be measured and the foundations of the earth below be searched out, will I reject all the descendants of Israel because of all they have done, declares the Lord. This is exactly the opposite, Elizabeth, of what you are reading. This is just very clearly the Lord saying that he can never, ever take away his love from the people of Israel. Not ever. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, when you see the sun refusing to shine, when you see the moon refusing to shine, the stars at night refusing to shine, well, that's when you have to worry about the future of Israel. Now, obviously, those things can't happen because Jesus is the one who's in control of all of that. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, I will never, just like the sun is going to shine, the moon and the stars are going to shine, so too will my love for Israel remain. So uh, Israel will never cease to exist. Um, Israel is where in the millennial reign we will be ruling and reigning with Jesus um, and and that is a promise that is as certain as that the sun is going to come up in the eastern sky tomorrow morning. Now, there may be clouds. I've shared this before on the program. My church has heard it a lot, but 
um, uh, pure, many times when I go out in the morning and start exercising or just to walk with the Lord, whatever it is I'm doing, the first thing I do is turn to the eastern sky and look at the sun. I say, good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. And then I go through the today of my own free will. I choose to serve Jesus and and, and that. But I'm looking right at that eastern sun, uh, eastern sky sun, because it is a symbol to me of his faithfulness. And on some days, today was one of those days where there was some clouds out there. And you could see the light of the sun from behind the clouds. So it was a little murky. I said, but, but Lord, I know you're there because you're faithful. Even though I can't see you right now, I know you're there and you're faithful. And that is a visual reminder to me of God's faithfulness for the day that lay ahead. So, Elizabeth, God will never, ever cease to protect and love Israel. Just can't happen. If that would happen, then we would be without a problem with God. Here's a question from Billy, and I'm not sure I really understand this question, but he said, would you let a man who says God gave him a message for your church deliver that message in a Sunday service? Um, Billy, if what you mean is somebody comes to me on a Sunday and says, uh, can I talk to your church because God gave me a message for church? The answer would be no, never, ever, ever. Now, I've had people come to me and say, I have a message for you. And and I just say, you know, it's okay. God knows how to get a hold of me. It's okay. Um, but, but I would never turn um, a, a Sunday service over to anybody that I didn't know, that I didn't trust, that I didn't know loved Jesus with all of their heart and hadn't demonstrated their faithfulness. I mean, God has put me in a position uh, to, to watch over the flock of God. And for me to expose people to somebody who says, well, God gave me a word, um, there's just no way that that would ever happen, Billy. And uh, um, a lot of people say that uh, God's talking to them, and they don't have a clue about what the voice of God sounds like at all. So no, the answer to that question is no, I would not under any circumstances. And um, it has happened or it's been close to happening a couple times. Here is a question from our mobile app. This one is from Deborah. She says, Hi, Pastor Ron. Uh, Can you be homosexual and be saved? I have met professing Christians who say they are attracted to same sex. Can they be reborn? As a woman, I find myself attracted to women. Um, As a woman, I find myself attracted to women but I think I'm saved. Yeah, Deborah, same-sex attraction is um, not all that unusual. Um, um, I can say this. Nobody can be an active or practicing homosexual and be a Christian. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, they make it clear. People who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's not just that. It's a list of sins, so it's not just that we're picking on homosexuals. But yeah, there are are people who, we, we live in a fallen world. It's that simple. Uh, our, our lives are formed by things that happen to us. And um, Deborah, if you are attracted to women um, sexually, um, then um, the Spirit of God lives in you. And as a Christian, you're required by God to say no to your flesh so that you can say yes to God and honor Him. So, um, yes, uh, but, but that doesn't make you a homosexual, the fact that you have same-sex attraction. Um, it's acting out on the sin, the things that you think about, uh, I mean, that can turn into sin, but um, it, it's just if you're attracted to women, then you, you simply have to make a commitment to God. Lord, I'm not going to look on a woman with lust. I'm not going to to uh, to act out on those things. And I'm going to focus on righteousness and holiness and and following you. And Deborah, I, I know a bunch of same-sex attracted people who are deeply committed to Jesus Christ, and I have no doubt that they're born again. Um, And uh, their lives are hard. I mean, you're you're asking them to live uh, without the sexual satisfaction that most Christians get to to enjoy. 
It's just one part of your life that you have to say, um, I'm not going to go there because I love Jesus too much to do it. So I hope that's encouraging to you. Um, Deborah, this isn't a curse. This isn't uh, doesn't make you a bad person. If you are, are same-sex attracted, but you are celibate, um, then then God is really pleased with you and proud of you. Uh, and the fact that you would deny an essential part of who we are, our sexuality, uh, you would deny those pleasures and you would do it because you love Jesus, that is a really, really good thing. But... Um, you have to be born again to do that. You can't say no to you uh, if you're not born again. Um, and that's the only thing that troubled me in your letter. Can they be reborn? Uh, remember, a Christian isn't what we say we are. A Christian is demonstrated by the lives that we live. Are we obedient to the Lord? Again, those two passages, Deborah, Galatians chapter 5, um, beginning in verse 19, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, these lists of sins, people who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So uh, it's not a matter of if you're same-sex attracted, you you're, you can't be born again. But if you're living in a lifestyle of willful sin, then it's true, you cannot be born again. So Deborah, I hope that's clear. If it's not, please uh, write in again and ask the question. I want to be sure that you understand that being same-sex attracted does not condemn you to hell. The enemy will try to make you think it does, but it doesn't. It's 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 acting out in a willful lifestyle of sin that God disapproves of. That that's what demonstrates that you're really not a born-again believer at all. So Deborah, please, please, please write back or call back if that doesn't clear things up for you. Hey, we are done for today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.